I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. Welcome back, everyone, to the midweek footsie this week. Um, I have no idea when this day, this uh, midweek footsie is going to come out, so these guys probably know, but it's sometime in the future. We are we are backing up over Christmas. So this... <laughs> that's what you do over christmas you eat too much food and you back up and then you back up yeah right over the toilet um so uh because we get so many questions we've got a great backlog of questions and today we're going to read one from kevin cowan who asks a couple of questions actually there's there's a few and it's it's quite complicated so who do you all think is the best investor in history and explain why uh, he wants to know our favorite investing books and what our reasons are for investing. So there's a lot going on there. I think we've done reasons for investing in the past, haven't we? So we could touch on that very, very quickly if you want to first. Yep, sounds good. Go. I like it when there's a few questions, by the way. Uh, I like it when there's you know lots of different things to think about. So feel free to send in those kind of multi-part questions. I guess my reason for investing... And I was thinking about how this has kind of changed, actually, with some of the recent news. So we've recently been hearing about kind of rate hikes. My reason for investing was that I was fed up with the idea of leaving my money in a, a easy access current account or even a kind of long term um, savings account and getting a rate that was worse than inflation, basically. Uh, and even with the rate hikes coming through, it looks to me still like rates are going to be lower than inflation for the foreseeable. So nothing much has changed on my reason for investing there. But that was the reason, basically. That was like a physical reason for investing. Is there like a an end goal reason for investing? Because I think that's what one of the I think that's what he's looking for as well. Not really. So I mean, I, my ambition is to kind of not get poorer in real terms. Uh, I don't particularly have a number <laughs> that I'm looking for, or you know, I'm investing so that one day I can turn it into a house or or something like that. It's more yeah. just a question of I I, rese- I resent the idea of earning money and then watching it go away again in real terms while it just sits there. That's fair enough, Steve. Uh, yeah, so my my aim is to get to retirement faster, um, and then to have a, a, a sort of dignified retirement. Essentially, I, I'm one of those people who doesn't believe that the state pension will be there, and I don't um, believe that just leaving my pension on autopilot will be enough to get there either. So I invest alongside it, and um, you know I try to try to make and contribute as much as I can to. Um, basically the aim is yeah dignified retirement so i've mentioned it before i don't think there's really anything anything yeah paul yeah we've definitely talked about it before mine is uh get there earlier and get there better i guess or at least attempt to um i am working on something slightly different at the moment and maybe trying to have i'm i'm actually attempting to retire now which is quite an odd one, or at least semi-retire now, which is kind of uh, kind of hard to explain right now. But it is uh, it's it's the it's the goal. It's that life investing balance that I'm trying to figure out, and I'm wondering if I can drop my hours and invest less and still get to a very nice 
point in retirement. So it's something I'm playing with at the moment. But uh, ultimately, investing is to get to a, a comfortable retirement earlier and not have to work as much or work when I want to. And that's the, that's the reason why we're going. So in with that in mind, with that, your future the future of your retirement and the, the future of you getting out of work in mind. Who are you following? Who is your favorite investor to follow and why, I guess? I think Steve's the first one on this one. Steve oh, D. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy to go first. I, I did wave Steve in because I went first last time. But I'll, uh, yeah, I don't want to go first. The, so you go. I'll trim that awkward 14 minutes of uh, silence out while we all waited. Um, <laughs> So there's a few, really. I think um, I've always uh, I've always really liked Warren Buffett. I've always liked um, David Gardner, and, and and he's been quite inspirational. I think he uh, I've said it before, but he says a lot and teaches you um, quite a lot, but but also teaches you almost very little. It's a, it's very very strange. But I think we would have to give honourable mentions to people like Ben Graham, uh, honourable mentions to uh, Jim Simons from the Medallion Fund, who's returned. I think 40% a year for um, um, 20 years, but he's almost a cheat um, because he's found some crazy mathematical formula that he won't tell anybody that beats the market. So I would probably, having thinking about it sort of live on here, and I've changed my mind since I told these guys who I've picked, I'm going to go for Lynch of all the people on the list because Lynch achieved what Jim Simons achieved, but without the cheat and was a fantastic teacher as well. Mm. He knew exactly what he was doing when he was picking a stock, and he could tell you exactly why he picked it. And there were often um, really sensible reasons. He's very easy to understand. And he was one of those people who's not just great at his job. He's great at telling you how to do his job as well and produce tons and tons of literature to, to help people, um, you know, to, to help people do better. So I flipped at the last minute. I was going to go for both. <laughs> But I think I'm going to go for Lynch. I'm glad you didn't go for Buffett because I would have disagreed with you quite heavily there. Because while Buffett obviously is an excellent investor and he's he's made the made the great picks and everything like that, I don't think the majority of his wealth has come from the fact that he's picked good stocks. He's he was he grew up in a time where it might have been quite simple to pick certain types of stocks and and there was a lot of money flowing a lot of dividends for flowing at the same time but the m most important thing about warren buffett is that he started young and uh, ultimately compounding has done his job and you can say oh brilliant investor and everything like that. i'm sure he is he's developed he's you know he's, he's developed great formulas and things like that but ultimately the best thing about warren buffett and the thing that's led to him being ridiculously rich is the fact that he started when he was young and he he is the embodiment of compounding really isn't he but lynch i totally agree you can listen to any of his speeches and he's entertaining he's ridiculously entertaining yeah. he's so good at delivering his points and i i sit there and what and just read over it every now and then talking about the stomach talking about uh you know making jokes about um korean imports and things like that he just just knew how to talk to people i knew how to deliver the message of what investing is all about and i was gonna pick lynch as well but i i was sort of like oh is that too obvious but he's now i'm thinking about it live again i'm thinking to myself 
Well, I was going to go for someone like Joel Greenblatt or Howard Marks because I was very and and also Dalio as well because um, I like the people that talk about risk and they like teaching about uh, keeping your money safe. It's about being it's about being uh, wrong less. It's about being not about being right once. It's about being wrong as little as possible. And I and that's a that's a investment theory that I resonate with a lot. So someone like Howard Marks, who was one that I was going to pick out, but yeah, ultimately I can't get past Lynch really. Is it? It's, he's, he's, the, he's the one, but I am sure that Steve W has got the other is going to just give you exactly what I've done there. I've just run through every investor and gone, I can't really pick one. They're all pretty damn good. And they've all got their own ideas. I think you're dead right, actually, Paul. Uh, yes. So if I was really, really pushed into picking a, a favorite investor, I would pick Buffett, but only because I can't see my way to not picking him. I can see many of the kind of shortcomings in Buffett. Um, he gets bits and pieces wrong. And the biggest uh, downside I have on him is that he is very limited as an investor. There are vast quantities of things that he doesn't understand. And in fairness... Uh, makes no claim to understand. He doesn't particularly tell you that he is an expert on all these kind of things, and he has this sort of grand vision of the future where um, robot cars are everywhere and so on and so forth. Uh, he's well aware of what he doesn't know, and I think that's probably the thing I find the most admirable about uh, Buffett. He has a really good discipline for not getting suckered into uh, stuff that he doesn't know enough about, um, because you can bet that even being out in Omaha and away from Wall Street and so on, he gets plenty of that stuff coming his way with people saying, you should buy this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. And he is exposed to some growthy stuff. Um, Berkshire Hathaway Energy is building out the grid and there's BYD, which is the um, electric vehicle stuff. So it's not like he's kind of entirely out of these sorts of things. But Buffett is extremely patient. When I think about trying to work out my favorite investor or my best investor, it feels to me a bit like trying to think about my favorite or best footballer. Um, and when I think about that, I struggle to compare different ones with different ones. So someone like Ray Dalio, I think his macroeconomic knowledge, his understanding of markets outside the US, in particular China, is really, really impressive. Clearly better than Buffett at that. Uh, there is absolutely no question about that kind of thing. Someone like Kathy Wood's vision um, and ability to see into loads of different markets is better than either of those two, I think, in a certain way. So the best investors, I think, take a combination of things. I would take kind of Dalio's macroeconomics or maybe Druckenmiller's uh, macro skills or something like that. Um, Kathy Wood's kind of vision for the future, Buffett's discipline to stay within your kind of um, area. And it's, it's different things I admire in, in different kind of people, I guess, and try and cultivate them Probably. in myself and not get pulled in different directions if I can help it, which I routinely in, in, can't. In that, in that Frankenstein investor we're making, I suppose you would have like... Buffett, uh, Buffett, sorry, you'd have Burry and George Soros's eyes mm -hmm. for spotting <clears throat> spotting a problem. Um, they've both done incredibly well from really, really sort of cataclysmic financial events, haven't they? So, um, you know, very they really did have though, an eye it? for... Very macro. It's very hard to do macro. At the end of the day, they'll say it doesn't matter, though, won't they? Yeah. You know, what matters is the penny in your pocket, doesn't it? Um, yeah. You're, you're either a good investor or you're not by the penny in your pocket, not by the uh, events that you won on. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's just it's just really, really hard to... You know, Drucker Miller is very into uh, currencies. Soros famously uh, won on currency, and it's just... Oh, it's, 
you get you're getting into different territories to buying stocks and holding forever it's, there aren't you it, and it's unfair to miss out um jacko or john bogle as well because mm -hmm. um obviously he reinvented the whole uh pretty much the whole system for uh, for uh, amateur investors and, and and an easy way for investors to get the benefits of compounding without the complexities of stock picking um so yeah he's definitely an honorable mention yeah books then favorite books let's hear them um, my favourite book, I've mentioned it loads of times, and it was the book that got me interested in, in into investing, and it was Tim Hale's Smarter Investing. It's a super easy to read book. It's written by a, um, a, a Brit, and um, it's a really easy read, and it literally teaches you in the first chapter how the stock market works and why it works as a place to put your money and why you shouldn't be worried about it. And he gives you all the stats and all the figures you could ever possibly need. And one chapter in, you don't have to read any more if you don't want to. There's enough information in that first chapter for you to get started. Um, but it's just a fantastic book for this. It's the very first book that I would I would tell anybody to read when thinking about entering the stock market. Very good. I'll go. I'll go next. Um, uh, I'm probably on my third run through. Richard was happier at the moment i just love the stories that are in there um and the lessons that i learned it's a bit value investor bias bit too much mm, and a couple of the um the investors in there have made a lot of money simply off one event rather than the message of the book which is buy hold good companies be a bit con contrarian every now and then and uh believe in what you have sort of thing but there's there's so much from the from the interviews that uh, William Green I think the author is uh, uh, from the interview he's interviewed a ridiculous amount of people got very very close to investors and he has um, an insight into the way the investment uh, uh, thinks uh, and he generally seems to think of them as outsiders or weirdos or something like that or they all have something kind of beautiful mindy sort of wrong with them and um yeah, it's, it's it's just a very interesting, entertaining book. Lots of I, I recommend the audio book because the guy's got such a milky, chocolatey voice. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that one's mine. Richard Wiser, happier. Cool. Uh, mine is by the guys over at Morningstar. It's called Why Moats Matter. Uh, and basically, what it does is it goes through things industry by industry uh, and sector by sector, more broadly than that basically tells you what to look for in different types of companies so it says look this is how these companies make their money these are the kinds of threats that they're exposed to it gives you some interesting little bits to look for on balance sheets like consider this company's inventory they have on hand compared to this because they can't ship it out the door and they can uh, lots of interesting things there i go back to that sometimes when i'm looking into a kind of company that's in a sector that i don't know so well looking for the kind of things that might get you a competitive advantage in that kind of area just to sort of get you started in a certain way because that's the bit that i find the most difficult i think figuring out the kind of the how it all works so stuff like a balance sheet tells you well that it works or whether it works or something like that and, and kind of how well it's working and that it maybe eventually kind of comes down to that sort of thing but look at working out what you can look for that isn't written down and doesn't appear in a number at least not yet but is either protecting that number or will drive that number up in the future that uh, the Morningstar book there really helped me um, start working out what to, to look for in these kind of companies. 
Lovely stuff. Well, that's it for the midweek foresee this week. Um, hopefully that's a lot of information. And thank you to Kevin for asking uh, those questions. Um, I think we'll leave it there because we're just trying to cut it short and keep it short and sweet on the midweek one. Uh, and I'm going to ramble now for the next uh, three or four minutes while I try and figure out how to end this podcast. And there you go. I've just ended it. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. I'm amazed how many people own stocks. The sucker's going up.